Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Today, I want to end with this series called Why God? Why God? And, and, um, but if you haven't been here, don't worry. Um, no problem. I'm going to give you a recap on the two weeks. And uh, I'm going to make sure that, that although you've missed the first two sermons, um, you will not miss anything because it will work everything together. You'll see everything. Now, let me give you a quick recap on, on the series. Now, we've looked at the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, or whatever however way you want to pronounce the word Habakkuk. And, and we've looked at um, three books in three weeks. So Habakkuk has got three books, Habakkuk 1, 2, 3. Week 1, we've looked at book 1, week 2, book 2. And now today we're going to jump in, and we're going to look at chapter 3. Um, and, and I know you're going to be blessed today. Now Habakkuk was one of the minor prophets in the Bible. Um, there was about 12 minor prophets, small prophets. Elijah was a big prophet, um, and those guys were. But the minor prophets, Amos, Habakkuk, all those prophets were minor prophets. That the people, were before they had the New Testament, they had the Old Testament. And these were the books they meditated on for years and years and years. And this book was written 600 years before Christ. That's quite a long time, eh? 600 years before Christ. Now, the book started out with this. It started out with Habakkuk asking a big why. He's asking this massive question, why God? Why God? Why, God, don't you seem fair in this situation? Why, God, didn't you do something when you actually could have done something? Have you ever asked that question? Lord, you could have done something. You could have saved that person, but you didn't. Lord, you could have done this, but you didn't. You see, God, why don't you seem fair when you could have seemed fair or when you could have done something? You see, that's exactly what Habakkuk asked God. That's exactly what he, he stood before God. He opened his heart. He poured out his emotions. And he said, God, why are you not doing something? Now, why did, why did Elijah do that? Because God came to him and said, Habakkuk, not Elijah, did I say Elijah? Sorry, Habakkuk. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to kill your people because they became evil and corrupt. They became evil and corrupt, and I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to take them out. And, um, and Habakkuk, I said, to cap it all, I'm going to use the Babylonian people that you hate and that are more evil and corrupt than your people, and I'm going to use them to take you out. <laughs> And Habakkuk, he didn't take it too well. Man. And he said, I object, your honor. I object, Lord, why do you do this? How can you do this, Father? If you've ever had an experience like that, where you said, Lord, what you're doing is just not fair. And if you ever felt like that, then this book of Habakkuk will speak to you. It will really speak to you. Now, we've been using a graph in the last two, um, two weeks, and I want to show you the graph again um, quickly, and I'm going to explain to you where we're going and, 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 and what's been happening. So this is a graph, okay, or a, a tabel of a grafiek in Afrikaans, and I want you to, if you could make a little X way in the corner, right here in the, in the, in the corner, um, if you can make an X, that's a person that has not met Jesus yet. So you start out 
nowhere, you, don't, you live your life, but you don't know Christ. You've never known Him. And suddenly there's a moment that you meet Him, the Holy Spirit come and invade your life, you have a salvation moment, and suddenly your life starts growing in Christ. And it's an up curve. You pray and things happen. Man, you come to church and you bless every time. The sermon speaks to you. The worship blesses you. you I mean, I, always, I, I said, you get in your car and God plays your favorite song. It's just amazing. Have you ever been there? Come on, we have that upwards curve. Oh, man, it is so much. You have, a, you have a spiritual high every day of your life. And then suddenly, things go back to almost normal. And, and you pray and things doesn't happen immediately like you used to. And you come to church and, man, the experience is not the same as the first time. Oh, man, and the curve starts coming down. And, Lord, I've been praying and asking and trusting you and things are not happening. I pray that you save my, my dad or I pray that you save my mother or I pray that you do this. And it just didn't happen, Father. You don't play my favorite song anymore. I, I'm not seeing you move if I've always seen you move. And suddenly you find yourself in a dip. And we call it a crisis of belief. In that way, in the dip. You find yourself in a dip. You see, in that dip, you've got two responses. People usually have two responses. Response number one is they, they want to go back to where they had their last spiritual high. They want to stay there, and they deny everything that's happening around them. They just deny it. And number two is you want to go way back to the beginning where everything started and said, Lord, this God stuff is not for me. It's fake. It's just stupid. Why did I ever get myself into that? I was disappointed, and now I don't believe. That's two responses. That's the two common responses that usually happen. And so many Christians today in our lives and churches that is denying reality today because they just want to stay at the spiritual high. But you know what's happening? You're going to stagnate right at that place. You're never going to grow up or down. You're just going to deny everything every week. And just I just want to stay here, Lord. That is, does it sound familiar? So in chapter 1, Habakkuk was on the down curve. He was on the down curve and he was asking a fair question. He said, Lord, why don't you seem fair? In chapter 2, he goes into what we call a season of waiting. He was way there at the bottom and he was waiting. And in chapter 2, God says to him, be quiet and listen. Be quiet and listen. I want to speak. And then God says, take notes, write this down, because that way you will, you, you will be able to document what I've shown you. And then God says, wait, and wait. And then if you wait it, wait some more. And if you felt that I can't wait anymore, God says, wait. Have you ever been in a waiting season in your life? <laughs> it's not a fun season. It's not, because we don't like waiting. Now, even though things on the outside didn't immediately got better, Habakkuk was waiting on God. And that's how chapter 2 ended. He just waited on God. It was such a beautiful picture. Now, in chapter 3, we are going to see something very beautiful and something very powerful. And I always say to you, chapter 1 is on a down curve. Chapter 2 doesn't really get better. But chapter 3, something happens with Habakkuk. And if we can take something from that today, your life will change. There will be a change in your life that you will realize that, oh my goodness, I don't have to stagnate. I don't have to deny what's happening around me. 
Now, if you look at this principle that Habakkuk took, there was the same principle in the New Testament, and we've used this scripture in the past. It's James 1, verse 2 to 4. It's a New, new, new Testament um, principle, which is exactly the same as what, what uh, Habakkuk faced. James 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now just pause there. I mean, this is easy to read the scripture, but it is not as easy if you think. So let me say, when COVID of any kind comes your way, consider an opportunity of great joy. What? Henny, come on. Are you serious? When no finances are in my bank account and I don't know how to buy food, consider it an opportunity of great joy. Are you serious, James? Dude, have you smoked something? Come on. Then he goes on, he says, For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. There's the, there's the, the principle. He says, So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many of you wanted to be in a place like that? Perfect, complete, needing nothing. Ooh, that sounds like a lacquer place. Eh? Come on. I, I mean, to be in a place where you don't need anything. You're perfect, you're complete. I just want to sit, sit on the beach and sip my cocktail because I don't need nothing. The fishing rod for Stephen. You see, so many Christians today want to have a real intimate, strong faith relationship with God, which is amazing. And you know what? God wants it for you as well. He wants it for us. That's why He created us. But what so many Christians don't realize is that God will so many times use the dip we're in to prove His faithfulness and to bring us to a chapter 3 type of faith. He would use this in your life. He used it. When I was a runner, every time I went through a serious injury, man, I was distraught. I was, man, when I was emotionally down. But every time I had a, I had a choice to make, to, will I get up and be better or will I just stop? And every time I made the decision to get up and be better, I was better. Every time. See, it's a principle of life. Now see, let's see how Habakkuk 3 starts out. Now, it's, uh, I'm going to start in verse 2. And it says the following. It says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. <laughs> now, before I go on, that last verse. God is not an angry God. He's not. He poured out all his anger on Jesus on a cross so that he don't have to be angry with us. And he poured out grace on us. But Habakkuk was in the Old Testament. There was no Jesus and no grace yet. So he pleaded, God, please don't be angry. Remember your mercy. But I, you're amazing. <laughs> so Habakkuk was saying, he said, God, I remember that I've heard all about your miracles. I've heard all about your power. I've heard all about your glory, God. I've, re I've remembered them. But God, why are you not doing it right now? Why? It's amazing things that you've done, but we need it now. Now, I have to be honest. I have been there at some times in my life. Come on. 
I've been there. Where I've said, Father, you've done so many amazing things in my life, but where are you now? I need you now. And you're not here. I remember when we were in transition in ministry, me and Salome, three years ago, it was eight months where God didn't say anything but one thing. And he said it, wait. I was like, okay, Lord, it's been two months. I've been waiting. Now, suddenly, now you have to. Lord, I want you now because you've been amazing in the past, but I need you now. See, what do you do when you are in the dip? When you're in that crisis of belief, when you're in the dip, when you're just like, Lord, everything is so tough and so, I don't, Lord, I need you now. See, when circumstances aren't changing or improving, how do you, by faith, climb out of that dip? So today we're going to look at three things. We look at three things that Habakkuk applied in his life that we can apply to our lives. And number one is the following. Number one, remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has done. See, remembering the faithfulness, the character, the goodness of God, we see we need to remember what He has done in your life. Have you ever done that? When you took a notebook and you just started writing, Lord, I remember when you supplied that dinner when I was hungry. I remember when I needed clothes and, wow, my friend just came and... I mean, you started writing down. I remember when I had this headache and I just prayed. No, he didn't know what to happen and suddenly my headache was gone. I mean, I just started writing down these amazing things that God has done. I start to remember. So here's what Habakkuk is doing. Here's what he's doing. He's looking at some very tangible, visible things, almost, can I say, triggers, There's some things that triggers spiritual memories. Some things. So, have you ever done that? Like, when you walk into a bakery and you smell that freshly baked bread and it's like, oh, it smells like my grandma's bread. Oh, it takes me back the days when I was this young and I had the corsi, you know, that's mine. And, I mean, you remember that? Or maybe you, when you smell mothballs and you remember my, grand, my, granddad's, my granddad's study. It's like, pff, how do you live in here? How do you, come on, man. Or maybe, maybe you smell a perfume. And it reminds you when the first time you met your husband and your wife, and it's like, oh, man, I remember I was so in love. You know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Some things triggers our memories. Or how about how a song, a song can trigger a fun or a sad memory. Ooh, baby, you know what's worth. Who heaven is a place on earth. Uh, yeah, I got some of you, eh? You, got, you went back. I remember when I, yeah, yeah, I just needed my wife to play, eh? It's on a recording. That's the only time you hear me sing. Or my wife said, please just stop. You're gonna, people's not going to come back. I remember the song because that's the song I was, I was taught on to dance when I was 14 in my friend's kitchen. And we were like 10 young people. And we, they, we taught each other to dance. And it was just, man, that was my song. That was the song. And it immediately brought me back to that memories of my life and, and, and good things that happened. Now, there's just those things, those certain things that trigger your memories. It just does. And this is what Habakkuk is doing. He goes down memory lane of God's goodness and of God's power in, in the Jewish and the, the Judas people, the Judah people's, the people of Judah's lives. Now, look, let, let's look at, at verse 3, Habakkuk 3, verse 3. It says, I see God moving across the deserts of Eden, the Holy One coming. Mount Paran. 
His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with His praise. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know God comes from the Mount Paran. Or Edom. What places are this? This is weird. And what are, what are Habakkuk actually saying? Now, if you look at these names, it's got nothing to do with anything. But if you are a, were a Jewish man or woman, and you were part of the, 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 the nation of Judah and Israel, you know exactly what he meant. Exactly. You see, when God delivered them from the hands of the Israelites, delivered them from the hands of the Egypt, Egyptians with ten plagues mighty. I mean, they marched out of that, 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 um, that country. They came to the Red Sea. God opened the sea. They walked through the sea, dry feet. They came to the other side. The sea closed. Egyptians all were killed, wiped out. And it was one of the mightiest miracles of the Old Testament. And then, immediately after that amazing victory, God took them to this very place. He took them to Edom, to the Mount of Paran. And it was in this place that they found refuge. It was in this place that they started to become a new people. It's in this place. So he's saying, Lord, I remember this place. I remember this place. of It's a good memory to me. It's that place where we as a nation found our identity. We found our identity right there. So God also had people build altars in the Old Testament. Do you remember that? They built altars when there was a great victory or something amazing. Jacob met God. He wrestled. He built an altar to remember. And even people walked there thousands of, or hundreds of years past, walked past the altar, and they remembered. Wow, that's what God has done. That's where God did a miracle. See, remembering was a very important thing for God. Or nowadays in the New Testament, we take the wine and we take the bread. Why? Because we want to remember what Jesus has done. We want to remember what He's done in your life, in my life, in our lives, that we are free from guilt and sin, and we step into grace that says, my, my, my grace is sufficient for you. My mercy is for you. My love is more than enough for you. Isn't that amazing? Now let's look at verse 46, and it's quite amazing. Verse 46 says, His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flashes from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. Come on. Men, have your, have your, have your wife given you the look? And you know when she gives you that look, it's like, whoa, what do I need to do something. I don't know what to do, but I need. Come on, I'm talking to you. When he looks, the nations trembles. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. This is amazing how Habakkuk just comes and says, Lord, this is how great you are. This is what you have done. You see, verse 7 to 15 from here, I'm not going to go there. You can go and read it in your own Bible. Habakkuk goes through this very detailed explanation of how great God was through nature. Through nature. He says, you guided us both fire and with cloud. You gave us food from heaven called manna. You opened the ocean so that we can walk through and be saved and, and, and walk into a new identity of who we are. He let, he, he let a fortified city's walls tumble to, to that there was just rumble. Rubble. It's not rumble, rubble. <laughs> and he defeated the mightiest nation in the world called Egypt. That's how great God was. So whenever we in the dip... Whenever you're in the dip, 
and we all get there. Come on. Whenever you're in a dip, we just have to remember. We just have to remember. See, in those tough moments, I go back to, to how I know God, how I know Him. When I don't see Him, I remember what He has done in the past. When I have to wait and wait and wait and wait, Lord, where are you? It's been 10 minutes. <laughs> Lord, I wait and I remember who He is to me, what He has done in my life. I go back to that moment. See, I remember when we, we, we wanted to get married and we had nothing. You know, we trusted God and He supplied every cent from nothing. I remember when the twins were born, and, and I remember the day after the twins were born, Salome had this hard bulge in her, on her stomach, and we were worried about it, and I placed my hand on it, and I prayed, and it was instantly gone. I remember when we moved out, we came out of the hospital, and we drove to our small, we realized we need a bigger house, we need a bigger car, we have no idea how God is going to do that. Do you know what? God made a way where there was no way. No way. I remember when we, we, we didn't have food or nappies and we didn't know how we we're going to get it and how God's going to supply. You know, we every, we, all, every day, every month we had enough because God was there. I remember when we had to move to Stellenbosch years ago and, 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 and there were so many impossibilities. We didn't know, know where to start, where to end. And um, we had debt, we had this, and we needed a car. We need, and God, in two days, He canceled our debt. He gave us a second car. He paid all our moving to Stellenbosch. From nowhere. I remember when we were obedient, when God said to us, plant this church and said, Lord, how are we going to do this? Um, we, there's no salary, there's no nothing, and we were just obedient by the word. And, and we didn't have a venue. We, we actually booked the venue. We said, listen, we're planting this church. This is the date, and we had no venue. I remember a week before our, our launch date of this church, we were walking by and my wife, God spoke to my wife like God speaks to all of our wives, husbands. And, uh, and he spoke to my wife and said, let's go into this venue. And we walked in here. And as we walked in, our other church an hour before walked out and canceled this venue. And it was ready made. God was supplying our needs. I remember how God has opened this. So what do you do when you are in the dip? In that crisis of belief, in that challenge, in that testing time, what do you do? You do remember what God has done. See, then you start seeing, and when you start seeing, you say, Lord, I know that you have done this before, and I believe that you can do it again. And if God hasn't done anything in your life now, you just listen to other, ones, other people's around you's testimony, and you take it for yourself. I've done it a lot of times. Lord, you've done nothing in my life, but I hear that testimony, and I know if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. And if you can do it for me, you can do it for the person next to me. Of course, I know that is who you are. We just need to remember. Number two that Habakkuk looked at was the following. We accept what God is doing. <laughs> now, this is not an easy one. And then sometimes people see this as very lawful, and it's like, no, no, we in grace. No, no, listen to this. We accept what God is doing. Now, this doesn't mean you just roll over and, and you, you play dead and you don't pray for a miracle. and It's like everything is done. I just go and sit in the corner, cry and eat some worms. That's what my, my grandfather always said. No, no, that's not what we do. Now, see, when you are in a dip, it's time to firstly acknowledge, I'm in a dip. I am in a crisis of belief. Oh, Lord, I struggle with you. I'm mad at I'm, I'm really disappointed in you, Father. 
I'm really disappointed because you could have done something. You, you, you are a fair God, but you don't seem fair. How many of you have heard about an, an ostrich? When they're scared, what do they do? They put their head in the ground. How many have heard that story? Show us the picture they could take. <laughs> How many of you know it's a big myth? That ostrich actually don't put its head in it. But actually what happens is where the myth comes from is the ostrich actually digs a hole in the ground to put its eggs in. And then every now and then the ostrich goes and puts his head in the ground to turn the eggs over so that the warm side can... And, and, and then people are like, oh, the ostrich, the ostrich are scared. He goes and puts his head in the ground. If you ever heard about... Now, I just busted that myth... <laughs> But too many Christians nowadays put their heads in the sand when challenging times comes. We do. You see, so many people, when we're in the dip or in the challenge or in the test, we deny the reality of what's going on. We do. Because it's an easy way. I'm going to deny it. I'm going to quote scripture. I'm going to speak. I'm not going to say that name. I'm not going to say, just say, COVID. It is real. You know what? But what? God is greater. But it's real. I'm accepting it. Lord, I trusted you not to get sick. I trusted you that my family... And now we went through COVID hell. Where were you, God? Does it seem familiar? <laughs> See, psychology proves. Psychology proves, and actually the way our brain works, proves the following, that victory starts when you acknowledge the issue first. And I know this because when I struggled with anxiety and I went through burnout, and was, the first thing you need to know when you go through anxiety is like to stop and say, okay, I've got an anxious moment here. I'm going through anxiety. And, the, and just that place, and it's incredible how God wired our brains that when you, when you say, yes, okay, I accept. I'm going through this now. Immediately you're 50% at victory. It's incredible. You're 50% at victory. And it's and, and you know what the amazing thing is? When you are in the issue, when you are in that tough moment of our lives, when you're in it, you can start praying for it. But when you deny the issue, you can't pray for anything because you're denying it. <laughs> Does it make sense? See, when, I'm, when I accept, Lord, yes, I'm facing a tough time in my spiritual life. I'm facing a journey. I'm facing a crisis of belief. I'm facing this, this downward curve. I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Lord, but I'm, I'm accepting. Lord, this is where I'm at. I need you. I need you. And this was how Habakkuk handles this huge crisis. You see, the Babylonians coming to destroy his people. And look how he handles this crisis by accepting. Verse 16, he says, I'm trembling or trembled inside when I heard this. I mean, how many of us won't tremble when you hear people's coming to take you out? <clears throat> and then he says, my lips quivered with fear, my legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quiet, quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike and the people, and the people who invade us. Now Habakkuk looked the truth squared in the eyes. <laughs> he looked at squared in the eyes and he says, this probably is not going to be a fun season. It's not. People are going to die. I might die. My family members might die. Um, it, it's a tough season, this. But you know what? I'm going to trust God. 
you know what? If I don't fully understand, even if I don't fully understand it, I'm going to trust God. And that's where so many Christians stumble because we don't understand it. Lord, why don't I understand this? But the only thing we need to start is what Habakkuk showed us. Is he just accepted God's plan. He knew there was a greater plan. He accepted it and he said, Lord, no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to trust you. Because I know your plan is greater than my plan. Your plan is much greater than my plan. See, it's not a denial. It's not a denial, but it's a place of declaring your trust in God's plan. And then you still pray, you speak life, you declare that miracle, you call that thing in, but you trust God. Now if you are going through the dip, or that challenge, or that test in your faith, here's the beauty and the power of Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk. Are you ready? Number three is to trust in God's plan and trust in His grace. So we're not denying it, but Lord, we trust in a greater power. You see, we, firstly, we remembered. That's what Habakkuk started. He remembered. Then he accepted, said, Lord, yes, okay, I accept this. But then thirdly, what's the most important thing, and that's what I want us to catch today, is that he trusted. He trusted as he was going on. And then we get to the two pinnacle verses of Habakkuk, the whole book of Habakkuk. Two pinnacle verses, verse 17 and verse 18. If you've never read this, you need to go to your Bible, you need to underline this, you need to confess it, which is such a beautiful principle. It says the following, verse 17, in the New Living Translation, Even though the fig tree has no blossoms, and there is no grapes on the vines, imagine it in Salambosh, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the field, and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will, say it with me, rejoice i will rejoice in the lord yet i will rejoice in the lord i will be joyful in the god of my salvation isn't that amazing you see when we had no reason whatsoever physical or visible i rejoice he says even though the fig tree doesn't bite you know what i will still rejoice he said, even though no, there's no cattle in the barn, that means that there is no income in my life, there is no provision in my life, you know what he do? I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though my spouse has promised till death do us part and he's not living up to it, what do you say? I will rejoice in the Lord. Although it's not fair, I will rejoice. Even though I raised my kids to make good decisions and at this moment they're making stupid decisions, you know what I'm doing? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in Him. Even though I trusted God to not get sick and my whole family is going through this hectic time, you know what I will do? I will rejoice in the Lord. In God, my King. Even though my finances are not working out, I'm struggling, I don't know how I'm going to eat tonight, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Even though, I, even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand it, even though I know He could, but He, do, he doesn't. <laughs> even though I know He is a fair God, but He's not fair. Even then, I will trust in my God. I will trust in Him. I will trust in Him. I pray that every single one of us 
would have a Habakkuk 3, a chapter 3 type of faith. I really pray that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You can't have a chapter 3 type of faith until you've had a chapter 1 type of question. <laughs> until you didn't have a chapter 2 kind of waiting. Because God can do more spiritually in that dip where you are in than He does in the, on the mountaintop. And I hope, I wish that so many Christians can really get this in their lives that we, we can't just roam around the mountaintops. Life happens. There's other words as well. Life happens. It happens. And you are in the valley of the shadow of death. Then you're on the mountaintop. But what you learn, what God teaches us in that valley, in that dip, in the toughest of the toughest times in our lives, He do much more spiritually sometimes than He can ever do in the mountaintops of our lives. See, most of the times, it is in low times that God proves His faithfulness. It is in the lowest of low times that He proves His character, His grace, His goodness. And I think so many of us can nowadays, or today can tell the stories of when I went through the toughest of times in my life. It was the sorest of sore that I had. And you know what, when God came through, it was the most amazing moment in my life. It was just that most amazing moment where I know that, Lord, only you can do something. Nobody could. Nobody else. Only you could do it. And in that moment, I went, Choop, next level. Next level. You see, that's where we have to go. You see, I've been saved for 35 odd years. 35. And I must say that probably the first part of that 35 years, I had real immature faith. <laughs> really. I'm not saying everybody who gets saved, you have to be immature in your faith first. I'm just saying I was very immature in my faith probably in the first 10 years. There was moments. But the more I saw God's goodness, and the more I saw His mercy, the more I saw His grace in my life, I saw His forgiveness, the more I saw His loving kindness, the more I saw His compassion in my life when I messed up, the more it matured my faith. And today I can say, I can honestly say to each and everyone that His goodness and His faithfulness in my life of yesterday gives me faith to trust in my tomorrow. He does. You remember when a couple of weeks ago I spoke about Romans 28, where in a Passion Translation, 28 verse 8, um, verse 8 verse 28 says, God will work everything together for His goodness. But in the Passion Translation it says, He will weave every detail of your life together. It's a beautiful scripture. And see, every bad word, nonsense thing that I've done in my life, you know, God doesn't discard that. He weaves it in. Because that was the low point. That was the value of the shadow of death. That was the, the low point, the waiting season, the chapter 2 of Habakkuk, where God takes that, and in that place, He matures us spiritually so much more than He could ever done before in our lives. Ever. Now, look how Habakkuk finishes off. I'm going to finish with this. Verse 19. And I want to read from, the, from the, um, the Amplified Version. He says, The Lord God is my strength. Now listen, this is a guy who just heard that God is going to wipe out his whole nation. He doesn't know if he's going to be wiped out also or not. So let's read again. The Lord is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. 
Isn't that powerful? He has made my feet steady and sure like hind's feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence. Man, how many of us want to walk forward with spiritual confidence? When you were down in the dumps, when you feel like, Lord, I don't know how to trust you anymore. I don't know how I can believe you anymore, but I'm going to walk forward in spiritual confidence. Man, I like that. And then he says, and he has made my feet steady and sure like hind's feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. <laughs> you know, our challenges can sometimes be our high places because it's in that places where God do the most in your life. The most. We just need to yield to Him. We just need to yield. See, I will find my strength and my hope in the Lord my God, and He will do, do what? He would take me to new heights. No matter if everything falls apart around me, or around us, or around my family, or around my business, God is still the source of my strength. He is. He's the source, source of my strength. He's my source of courage. He's my invincible army. And when we face all these moments of crisis, of testing, of challenges in my life, or in our lives, what do we do? We do the Habakkuk. Come on. We do the Habakkuk. Remember what Habakkuk's name means? To embrace him or to wrestle with him. You see, when you're in that dip, when you're in the moments, the toughest moments of your life, you wrestle through it with God and then you embrace him. You just embrace what he's doing. And every time I, I climbed off my hard-headed pedestal and I just embraced him on my knees and I said, Lord, okay, I was wrong. I want to embrace you. Every moment of that times of my life, man, God took me to a next level. When I died in myself and I, I let more Jesus in, <laughs> I went to the next level. You see, when we embrace God, whose plans and whose purposes are so much greater than our understanding, guess what He does? He takes us to a next level. A next level in your spiritual walk with God. See, when we embrace the fact that He is in control and not us, we go to the next level. How many of us want to be in control? Man, we want to be in control. Lord, don't take control from me. I want to be in control. And God says, just give control to me. Stephen said this morning, we need to be in the bus, but don't take the steering wheel. Go sit in the back. It's always a cool spot, man. Go take the cool spot back in the bus. Give him the control of our lives. I want to encourage each and every one of you this morning. I mean, maybe you've been in a dip. Maybe you're on a mountaintop today. Maybe you can't remember what God has done. Then go and sit and pray and say, Lord, I'm trusting you for testimonies in my life. I'm trusting you to hear of things. I remember Bethel, the Bethel Church in Reading, they've got a website. I know they had a website. I can't remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. But they had a website with testimonies on. If you're struggling with financial debt, you go there and you listen to testimonies of people who went from nothing to millionaires because they trusted God. There's, there's some testimonies of people that had cancer and trusted God and were cancer-free and went through that thing. And as you start reading through their testimonies, God starts building your faith. And of course, what God can do for them, He can do for me. That is the, the, the character of our God. I want to encourage you this week as we continue through the pandemic and through challenges around us to start remembering. Start remembering what you are thankful for. That's, I always start with that. 
Lord, thank you for my house, that I can actually rent a house, that I can sleep on a bed, that I, Lord, that I have food, although it's not always a lot, but I have food. Lord, thank you that there's petrol in my car. Thank you for a car, Father. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves that God is good. He has been good in our lives. He is always good in our lives. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, and I want to pray this morning. I want to trust God that hopefully that you've heard something that you needed to hear this morning. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you are in control, Father. No matter if we don't understand, we, don't, we have why questions in our lives. We, we have so many times in our lives where we feel that you are far away, Father, where we want you to be close to us. Father, I pray this morning that as we remember, we see your goodness. And Father, I pray that, that as Habakkuk said, that no matter if the, the fig tree is, is empty, if there's no grapes on the vines, if, if there's no cattle in, in, my, in my yard, Lord, if there's nothing anymore, then I know that I will rejoice in you. Lord, but today I want to pray that, that you show us your plans. And although nothing changes immediately around us, that we know that you are busy with something in this dip, in this challenge, in this valley of the shadow of death. Lord, you are busy to mature us spiritually. You are busy to take, taking us to the next level. And Lord, help us to understand. Help us to see things from Habakkuk 3 or chapter 3 faith perspective. Lord, I pray for every heart here today. And if you are here today with every heart, eyes closed, if you are here today and you're really going through a tough time, would you just put your hand on your heart and just say, Father, you know what I'm going through. You know what I'm going through at the moment. I feel that things are unfair. Where are you when you should have been here, Father? I'm asking all these questions, Lord. And Lord, I'm waiting. You have spoken. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you, Father. And Lord, I pray that you, that you encourage us and help us to endure through those waiting seasons in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we will get to the point where we said, Father, no matter what happens, I will rejoice in you. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.